Today we're we're starting a new series, and I have to give you a little background to it because, again, the way my mind works and my walk with God is it's a, it's unique as a pastor. There are times when God lays things in my heart, and you never argue with God, do you? I, I do sometimes. We were coming into February, and I was like, God, I do not want to do a relationship series. I'm, I know it's Valentine's, I know all of that, but uh, God, I just really don't want to. And yet we had we'd kind of put this. Uh, marker out there back there, love in, love in the COVID era, you know, and I'm like, that just sounds like a bad soap opera, um, and then we, we kept coming around it, and, and, and all of a sudden, as I kept praying through it, God put a, a single word on my heart, and uh, at first, I kind of scoffed, because you may do so as well, but as I got into it, I saw something in a way I'd never seen it before, and today, we're going we're gonna to start a series for the next few weeks uh, about what really does it mean to walk in kindness, to what, to what does it look like to walk in kindness? In fact, we're going to Look at that through a couple lenses today and definition. We're going to work it out with some examples the next few weeks. But, but to start out, I want to remind us again of our, our theme verse this year because we really felt it was so critical in 2021 to, to not only refocus, but to make sure our focus is in the right place. And in Psalm 33, 22, again, I ask you to teach this to your kids, get it memorized, get it in your spirit. Psalm 33, 22 says this, May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. I don't know about you, but this last year or so, a lot of things that people have put their hope in have proven not to be trustworthy. But our God is faithful, right? He never fails us. He's always there. We can count on him, and his love is unfailing. On your worst day, God loves you. On your best day, he loves you and everything in between, and he never lets us down. So today, let's, let's get into Scripture. Turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to spend our, our, our moment to start with this morning again as we walk through this series. Colossians 3 verse 12, the Apostle Paul was teaching about the new life in Christ, what it means to be a believer, how we are to live as a believer. And in verse 12, he said something so critical. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves, literally put something on, it becomes part of you. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Kindness. What does it mean to be kind? I, I, I share with a few people, like, I'm going to talk about kindness this week. They're like, oh, that's nice. No, it's not really nice. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Because kindness is, is this virtue the Bible tells us that is absolutely essential in, in, in our lives and our Christian walk together. It's a virtue, literally, that God said we are to love. We are to love kindness. But sadly, it's a virtue that has been tragically lost in much of our world today, even in the church. It's a virtue that, that embodies courage. It takes courage to be kind. It, it embodies conviction and it embodies civility. It's a relational dynamic that builds trust without compromising principles. You know, we live in a world today where we have to know what we believe. I mean, it's, it's been the way always. You've got to know what you believe and stand strong in that. But there's a way that we can walk in kindness that reveals to people the love of God. Because here's my definition of kindness. Very simple, easy to memorize. Simply put, it'll be on the screen. It says this, kindness is love no matter what. It's love no matter what. No strings attached. No, no conditions with that. You know, the Bible has this way of describing love in multiple ways. But the most prominent way, the love that we saw in Christ, the love that we read about and saw how he walked on this earth, is that love that we call agape love, right? It's that unconditional love even when you're not loved back. And that's when it's really hard to love, isn't it? To love even when you're not loved back. But too often, we define love 
in this emotional affection that's based upon a condition. I, I love this person as long as they play by my rules, right? As, as long as they do the things that are lovable, I will love them. But yet, in the Gospels, we see this love lived out through the kindness of Christ, this love taught by him and, and walking out in this kindness to all. There was a love with no strings attached, even to the point where he clearly taught, get this, guys, he taught us to love those that persecute you, love your enemies to, to pray over them. Now, let's be honest, this morning, most of us don't really have enemies that we're aware of. I didn't wake up this morning wondering if somebody was going to take me out today, right? But I think we need to broaden that definition because this is where kindness breaks down in our Christian witness and in our, our love today. And that is that he's telling us that we are to love and show kindness to everybody, even those who's, who have different ideological positions than we do in life, even those who have different political positions in our life. Can I get a witness this morning? Even for those who have different theological positions in our lives, he says we are to love them and to pray over them because this kindness, this is what really drew me to this day. This type of kindness we're going to define and lay out for you, this kindness that Jesus showed every day when he walked on this earth is really what we need because it's the highest hope for renewal of civility and of Christian witness. Because I'm going to be very honest, church, Christian witness has kind of taken a blow in the last year or two. It's kind of backed up because of a lack of kindness. You see, kindness is a principle we share every Sunday when we gather. From the very beginning of hope, we've shared kindness every time we get together because we end our service every week in a way where I speak blessing over you out of Romans 15, 13, and then I butcher a scripture out of 1 Peter because I never can quote it quite correctly, but it says this in 1 Peter 3, 15, and it says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with what? Talk to me. Gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. In other words, when people disagree with you, when they believe differently, when they are opposed to what you believe, they really can't say anything bad about you because your kindness your unconditional love has been overwhelmingly receivable in their lives. You see, that's what kindness is. Kindness is having a strong center in your life. This I believe. I will not waver from the fact that Jesus Christ is to be Lord of all. I will not waver from the fact that he died for our sins and rose from the grave. And, and our relationship with him is based on nothing we do. It's not on our goodness and all we can bring to the table. It's only on his love. We have these strong convictions that stay strong in a strong center. But kindness causes us to have soft edges to where we live in such a way where people are welcome to come into our lives, no matter what their ideology, no matter what their politics, no matter what their theology. And church, I'm telling you, we've got some work to do in this area. We've got some work to do in this area. You say, Mike, I'm kind People love me. Dogs love me. I'm a kind person. Would you please move on? Now, I will tell you this. Kindness is harder than you think. You see, we get confused quite often. We think kindness is niceness. I've shared quite often. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell me to be nice. Did you know that? Nowhere. Nowhere in the Bible does it say be nice. No, but it tells me again and again to be kind. Literally, is a fruit of the Spirit. And honestly, kindness is easy when we're walking in harmony. It's easy to be kind to the barista when your drink comes out proper at the coffee shop, right? 
But woe be to the barista that gets the formula wrong. Come on now, I need my coffee. It's easy to be nice in a family when everybody gets along, but it's not so easy when there is difference of opinion and struggle. But to live the radical life of kindness means we've got to embrace the life of Christ. Here are some things it means. It means this. It means if we really follow Christ, then our life is less about results and more about relational character, that we are witnesses not with our words alone but by how we live. It means trading cultural wars with conversations that are filled with hope because, oh, by the way, every time we've done a cultural war, we've lost. We keep beating our heads against the wall thinking somehow that's the way of the wind people. No, how about more conversations filled with hope? It means loving even when our kindness is not received. And can I tell you, kindness is not always received. And it's pretty blunt sometimes how it is not received. And our our problem is this. We want to be nice, which means we want to be received by everybody. But God didn't call us to be received. He said for us to be receivable. So the first thing we have to clearly understand about kindness is it's not the same as niceness. Let's be clear. Kindness does not mean trading in our convictions to just be nice. Niceness may be pleasant, but it lacks conviction and it has no soul. Niceness doesn't speak the truth in love. Niceness in the fear of offending just holds back and says nothing. Niceness has a nice facade that gets caught up in our cultural passive aggressiveness that that just smiles a lot and says, God bless you, until they finally have their backs against the wall, and then it just comes out in viciousness, and people are wondering what happened because they never learned to be kind. You see, it's not about niceness. Kindness is fierce. Psalm 141.5 says, Kindness is found in the rebuke of a friend that loves you enough to say you're wrong, that loves you enough to say the path you're on is leading to destruction, that loves you enough to say there's a better way. That's kindness. It's not niceness because niceness will let you just walk right into the hole, smiling the whole way. No, God's called us to Kindness. Can I tell you this morning that kindness isn't reserved for grandmothers and Boy Scouts? (laughs) You know, what we really do is we devalue kindness. We devalue the power behind it when we think about it as pampering or these random acts. I mean, we do that at Christmas, these random acts of kindness. It's kind of cool to do, but it's nothing really random about kindness. It's not pampering. It's radical. It's brave. It's daring. It's fearless. It's courageous. And even at times, it's dangerous because, again... We, we live among people. We are called to love people. We are called to reach out to all who, who are created in the image of God, but yet our, our attempts to show love sometimes are rebuffed and, and, and rebuked. But here's the truth about kindness. It has more power to change people than anything else we can do. It can break down seemingly impenetrable walls. It can reconcile relationships we thought were irreparable. It can empower leaders and break stalemates. Listen, it can reconcile nations if we would get a hold of the concept of the biblical kindness as lived by our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, kindness was at the heart of peacemaking, but it also has the muscle to move mountains. It's authentic. It's not self-serving. It radiates this this love of Christ when we learn to actually walk in the way of Christ led by the Spirit of our God. You see, kindness displays the wonder of God's love through us, but we have to be aware of it always. So it's not niceness, but neither is it harshness. There's nowhere in this to talk about us being harsh. In fact, kindness is the opposite of harshness. Harshness is speaking the truth without love. We're good at that, especially on social media. We just tell it like it is. We blow everybody away, but we don't have any love behind it. We pick fights instead of extending olive branches. 
We separate along lines that really make no difference whatsoever. We, we fight. We wage war. We even use war rhetoric. We're going to conquer this city. No, we're going to love this city in such a way that there are people that are going to come to Jesus Christ because you lived here. That's our witness. When we walk in the kindness, it builds up our Lord. you got to remember something, guys. We don't have enemies among people. In fact, if you are a Christian today and you're following Jesus Christ, then you follow the truth of God's Word because that is our base. And if we understand that, then we understand in Ephesians 6 that he says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. No, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I love the Sunday's Mel comes and shares about the pantry because nowhere, nowhere do we ask them, hey, are you a follower of Christ? Hey, are you a believer? Hey, you got to come to... Ser-. No, we don't do bait and switch. We go, you are human made in the image of God and we love you. And part of our work of kindness is not just an act. It is a relationship we want to build with you that is receivable so someday maybe you'll experience the love of God in us. But how can they experience that when through our harshness, through our judgmentalism, we push them away. You see, the Bible doesn't call us to be harsh, neither does it call us to be nice, but it tells us not only we're to be kind, but we are literally to love kindness. I remember one of my mentors, I've, I've told you about him before, Forrest Tolliver, a great man of God. I remember early in ministry, he says, Mike, you, you're going to struggle because you, you like people, and I, I do. I, love, I like being around people. He says, there's going to be times you've got to correct. There's going to be times you need to direct. There's going to be times you've got to confront. He said, Mike, but never enjoy doing that. Because the moment you start enjoying that and it doesn't break your heart over the sin that is displayed, then you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. Oh, can I tell you guys, when it becomes so easy to blast people, you got a problem. When it comes so easy to dismiss people, can I tell you, we're not allowed to dismiss people if you love Jesus. There is no insignificant person you work around, walk around, see, shop with, or go to school with. There's no insignificant person. Because every one of them God made to know him. And he chose to work through us to do that. I mean, look at this, Micah the prophet, Micah 6, 8, very famous verse. We taught on it uh, back last year, Micah 6, 8. says, he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but what? To do justice. We've talked about that. And to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. It means to live a life of meaning without meanness. It means to live a life without purp- a life with purpose that engages people and not just things and stuff. It's a way of life that is filled with mercy and reverence and God-fearing. It's a dimension of God's grace working in us. But can I tell you, our culture today, I'm tired of hearing all these grandiose statements. We're more divided than ever. No, we're not. We've been divided since sin entered into the world. It just manifests differently among different generations. But can I tell you this? The answer is still the same. The answer is still the same. How can they know unless they see the love of God in us? How can they experience unless they see it impacting our lives? And what the world needs now and what the church needs now is a rediscovery of this Christ-shaped kindness. But be warned, it's not always going to be received. So what do you do when it's not received? We tend to just act like everybody else when it's not received. We get angry. We go back to our harsh rhetoric we blow them up in our posts, and we, we just like, I can't believe they didn't accept this love, this kindness that goes out here. But that's not at all how we respond. You see, adopting a life of kindness is hard because it's going to be tested. 
Because remember, again, it's love no matter what. It's loving even when you're rejected. And the only way you can really stand in that place and deal with rejection, because be honest, none of us like being rejected. None of us. But the only way you can really stand in that and still love and still reach out and still show kindness is to come back of understanding your identity in Christ. See, your identity is not based really on the family you were born in. It's not, it's not based on your political affiliation. It's, it's not even based on your church attendance. Our identity as Christians is very straightforward. It is right there to be taken a hold of and to never forget because our identity is found in the cross of Jesus Christ, which that day was the most historic act of kindness ever known. Because that day, he displayed love no matter what. He didn't die for the, the acceptable. He didn't die for those who might do great things in the kingdom of God. He didn't die for the lovely or, or the wealthy or the, or the, or the well-established. No, he died for our sin that we would have no way to repay and that we could bring nothing to him so that we could be reconciled to our God. And now he says in his word, whosoever will call upon his name will be saved. So getting our identities in the cross. And the moment we get our feelings hurt, because we are people of feelings, come on. The moment we get our feelings hurt, the moment we get offended, the moment that somebody just lives out their identity as being in sin, and we get like, oh, stop it. Be kind. And love people the way God called us to love them. Love no matter what. Because here's what I can guarantee you about kindness. Our kindness will sometimes be accepted. Our kindness will sometimes be rejected, but here's what I can guarantee you. Our kindness will never be forgotten because it stands out. It stands out in this world. I mean, think about the cross of Christ. Centuries, centuries have passed, but it's still the dividing line, isn't it? It's still what, what everybody has to someday reconcile in their own lives. Why? Because it, it, it may be rejected, but it's never going to be forgotten. And the man who died for us made statements in his word that we have to embrace, like in Matthew 5 when he said to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. How do you do that? See, sometimes we, we pray without loving. And other times we love without praying. And yet we're to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We're to bring both of these into our lives and embrace them. It's that readiness and steadiness of the hope that's within us, but it's shared with gentleness and respect. Because here's what it is. Loving our enemy builds a bridge of relationship. That's that soft edge. I, I can't reach you if you're an opponent. I, I, can't, I can't really show you love if it's always us against them, but I keep that soft edge of relationship, but I pray I pray hard. I plead with God for a biblical transformation in their lives. That's that firm center. That's Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Tim on the cross looking at the thieves saying, you want to join me or not? There's paradise waiting or there's not. Firm center, soft edges. See, that's our Savior, Jesus. He came in both grace and truth. He came in a way that opened his life to all to embrace him, but even there, not everybody did. You see, it's nonsense to believe we can't love someone with whom we don't agree. Can I tell you that acceptance is not agreement? Well, if I'm kind to them, they're going to think I'm approving of their, of their life choices. No, no, just love them. Have parents struggle with this. 
Well, they're mad. I'm so upset. How do I love them? Love them anyway. You love them always. Why? Because they are creating the image of God and God entrusted them to your life. That doesn't just go for your kids. It goes for everybody. It goes for everybody you meet. Here's what a pastor friend of mine wrote. I think it was so right on. He says, we tried legalism and that has proven inept and unattractive. Can I get a yes to that? Grew up in that stuff. Some are trying a warped form of love that renders us saltless. The only thing that works is a life that embodies grace and truth lived out in relationship with others. That's the receivableness. That's that place where people feel safe to engage our lives knowing that we may believe things different than them. Here's where Jesus set it up. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. He was talking about our lives and just you know the, the decisions we make, the choices we make. And in Matthew 10, verse 40, he said something so critical. He said, whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. So he's setting up this dynamic that says, look, if people are going to receive Jesus as Savior, if they're going to understand the love of God, he, he, didn't, he didn't send angels to be the witnesses. He, he sent us. He said, so we have to make ourselves receivable. And he modeled this again and again in the Gospels. He, he talked about receiving a, a, a child in Jesus' name in a culture that did not value children. He said, when you're slapped on one cheek, turn the other so that relationship may be possible. He said, we're to listen to the shunned harlot. We're to, we're to talk to the scorned tax collector. When someone act, takes your coat, give them your shirt as well. When they ask you to go a mile, go two miles. Listen, he, he was the radical of all radicals when it comes to loving people. I, I totally get, I, I, really, I, I really do understand why, why some would reject our overtures of love when we don't include unconditional acceptance with that love or agreement or approval. I get that. Because some people, that's the only way they think you can love them is they to- if you totally agree with everything they do. But that's not love. I love you in spite of what you do. Christ died in spite of our sins. Listen, we can't control what others believe, but we can control whether or not our lives are receivable through kindness, whether we have this soft edge that welcomes people in that says, come, taste and see that the Lord is good. But how can they do that if we're stiff-arming them with our rhetoric, our meanness, and our anger? Because here's the truth, gang. (laughs) We are good at rewriting the Bible. We are good at rewriting the Bible. James, James made this statement in James chapter 1, verse 19 that is, I mean, you talk about a, a refrigerator verse. This ought to be up there a whole lot more than, than Jeremiah, okay? And he said this. He said, we are to be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. Man, that would have changed 2020, right? But we've rewritten that, and basically we've said we are quick to shout because we're easily offended. We are full of anger, and we are slow to listen because we really don't want your opinion anyway. We're prone to argument instead of loving and praying for those who differ than us. You know, in my own life, I've been challenged through even preparing for this that I need to spend less time listening to prepare to talk and more time listening in order to learn. Because when you do that, you actually get to know people as who they are. See, I get the cynicism. I get the suspicion of the church. I get the jokes about Christians. I get the op-eds that just butcher us right now. I get that. And we have to own it. Because somehow we slipped into the world system of relating to people instead of God's system. 
And his system always led with kindness. There was grace, but there was also truth. Why? The Apostle Paul captured because he said in Romans 2, 4, it is through kindness that people are led to repentance. And repentance is really where change happens. It's where, it's where we become transformed. We become more like Christ. But it doesn't come out of, out of just glaring truth. It comes out of kindness. So we must in kindness try and retry, pray without ceasing, all the while hoping that a coffee extended in kindness may one day lead to a conversation that turns redemptive and ultimately into gospel transformation. And if you haven't had one of those in a while, you need to start asking God for that. Because those are the best coffees. Those are the best discussions. You see, it's the kindness that leads to repentance that often leads to repentance on my own parts. Because when you're kind, and you start seeing people for who they are, you stop labeling labeling them, and you start loving them. Man, what a difference that makes. Are you listening today? When you start loving them, you stop labeling them. You start judging, you stop judging, you start loving. You see, it's that kindness that leads to repentance that has to be in us in a constant active posture. It is, a, it is a, not a conditional response, it's an obedient pursuit. It's obeying God to do so. It's not a random act, it's a radical life, but it also comes with risk because, again, it's vulnerable. It's unsafe. <laughs> There's no expectation of thank you. You might just receive a, break, a rebuke. It is other-centered and not me-centered. And honestly, that's why we have the hardest time with it. It doesn't bring a lot of warm fuzzies, but it leads to eternal change. It's, it's hard, guys. It's awkward. It's loving our neighbors and our co-workers always. It's even loving the pesky guy on social media who never says anything good about you. Still got to love them. For me, pride gets in the way of that. Ego. We all have it in us. How dare they? But if we always follow Christ, we come back around to this thought of loving the way he loves us. But when we love only those who we know will love us back, it's, it's vanity. It's not the love of Christ. It's narcissism to want to always be received instead of just coming out and saying, I want to be receivable. And if you reject me, that's okay, but I'm going to keep coming back because the kindness leads to repentance. Paul even put it this way. He said, when we live this way, we literally become what he called the aroma of Christ. My wife's all about smells. I don't know if y'all, anyone like that, but she can, she can pick out smells, right? I mean, with perfumes, after she, she's, she, I don't smell it. I'm like, What? I get in trouble because it has a smell. I don't even smell it. But every one of us carries an aroma in this life. As believers, we're to have the aroma of Christ, but get this. He said, to some you meet, that aroma is going to mean life. To others, it's going to smell like death. And anger is going to come up. Oh, you're a Christian. I flew twice this week. I always... I always worry when they ask me what I, what I do for a living because I've been cursed out. I have been, <laughs> I've been the plane ride from hell. I mean, it just, it just happens because some of you smell like life and some of you smell like death, but our responsibility is to smell like Christ. And to do that, there's a kindness even when we're rejected. Because if we're not receivable, if we've not opened our way up in a place where people can come in, how will they know about the love of God through us? Listen, gang, this will help you. I think it'll be on the screen. Kindness does not mean affirming each other's choices, but it does mean listening to each other's voices. Because everybody has a story. 
And their story is rich and their story is real. And it gives us an opportunity to speak into that when we come to them with this openness and kindness. You know, I know this is not new information. I know it's not great stories. But can I tell you, if we get this one thing, if we get this one thing right, what an impact your life can have this year. For some of you, this is for you and your family. People are separated right now over things that do not matter. I had someone tell me, my kids won't talk to me because I voted differently than they thought I should. People are separated over life choices or a way of doing things differently. And yet God said we're to be one. We're to, we're to walk in a way This better together is not a catchphrase that we just throw out there because it sounds kind of cool. It is a radical life choice to say the only way this life is lived is if everybody has that opportunity to really walk into my life. Some will reject it, but it's always available. Because that's what kindness is. It's this receivability. Listen, I learned a long time ago, I don't have to see eye to eye with everybody to work shoulder to shoulder with them. How can I be salt and light if they never come in contact with me? We're not called to live in these gated communities called churches that have no impact in the world. No, we are in the world, but we're not of it, Scripture says. But man, we're in it. And the hope that God has for so many and I pray this for you, and I pray it for me. I'm going to ask the musicians to come be ready. Is that we live in such a way that there are people we don't even know yet that this week they're going to come into our, our sphere of influence, they're going to come into our place, and we've created such a receivable position that they're going to feel comfortable to walk in and maybe even embrace the love of God through us. Or maybe just have questions. Or maybe just be angry. Or maybe tell us what's wrong with the church. And we can say, oh, and that's all you think's wrong with it. Let me show you my list. I got a bigger list than you do. That's usually my approach when I, dim, when I am confronted. Because people, I want to tell you why I don't like Christians. I'm like, well, I can tell you a lot why I don't like Christians either. I can tell you why I like God didn't like Christians in a lot of ways. That are in name only. But he loves you. Guys, I believe the year ahead of us has so much opportunity. I believe the days before us have so much wealth of relationship. People have been cloistered away, pushed away. We've lived in all this unrest of social and political and all these things. And I, I believe people are hungering for transparency, for honesty, humility. Had someone tell me, you Christians think you've got it all together. I said, no, we're a pretty messed up bunch. I said, we're broken. We serve a God who makes us whole. It's only through faith. It doesn't mean we don't stumble. It doesn't mean we don't bumble. It doesn't mean we don't do stupid things. It doesn't mean we always get it right. I'm the guy that can always think of the right thing to say like an hour after the conversation, not in the moment. But can I tell you, when your life is kind and it's open... God makes up for all that. So often it's not the words we say, but it's the, it's the love they feel that makes someone come back and say, talk to me again. Talk to me again. So here's the challenge. We're going to spend this month talking about kindness. We're going to talk about how it works out in our lives. We're going to talk about how it brings us into repentance. But here's my challenge to you today, and that is simply this. In a true, honest moment, 
Are you receivable? Have you created a life that's receivable? Are you allowing God to be shown through you? Or are you so afraid of being rejected, you just close it all down and keep it here? Do you know what it means to love no matter what? Maybe today, think through your relationships, think through your engagements. Because when I look at the cross and I think of what Jesus did for us, how can we not help but reflect his love to others? I don't always have to agree with the choices, but I'm going to listen to their voices. Because their stories, I believe, are God's stories. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of the cross, he gave his life for us. Too often as we journey in Christ, too often as we kind of mature in faith and get the word of God in us, we forget where we came from. But I'm so thankful for people that actually engaged my journey, made themselves receivable, and I was able to see Christ in them. So today we're going to pray together. We're going to ask God just to speak to our lives. We're going to share communion together. And, but you know, I have to ask you today, if you are here or online and you're like, Mike, I've never experienced that. Maybe you're one that's just, man, you don't get the church and you, you kind of have a lot of critique and all that and a lot of it's well-deserved. We own it. But I tell you this, it's not the church one day that's really going to be the, the calling mark of your life. It's, it's God. He has made a way to be restored to him through his son Jesus. He made an offer that was so kind because it had nothing to do. It wasn't jumping through hoops. It wasn't memorizing certain events. It wasn't passing a test. It was simply trusting, surrendering, and saying, God, I, I want to put my life in Christ. And it's hard to explain, but can I tell you, it changes everything. To walk with the love of the Father in you and through you, man, there's no better way to walk. But it all begins with a choice. It all begins with coming to that place saying, God, I need you. God, I want you. Lord, I receive your son, Jesus. Come into my life. And you can pray that right where you are. You can pray in your home, in the car, wherever you're listening to this. Don't close your eyes if you're in the car, though. But just be real with God. Because he's very real. And he wants you to know him. So would you pray with me this morning? Then we're going to celebrate communion together. Father, I thank you today, God, for your love. God, I thank you, Lord, that, God, it is <laughs> no matter what. Lord, your love doesn't change, oh, God, on our best days or worst days. God, you don't have these proud moments. God, you always love us. God, you've extended that to all of us through your son, Jesus, and through the church. And God, I pray today that, Lord, as, as followers of Christ, God, as, as the majority that are here, God, would say that's who they are, that, God, today, Father, we'd be challenged at our core to put on kindness. God, to walk in the strength of our convictions, God, but to walk in the softness of our relationships. God, to have that strong center with soft edges, oh God, that welcome all in. God, that Lord, they would experience, oh God, through these fallible, broken vessels, God, they would experience a love they've never experienced elsewhere. And God, I just pray today, God, we would step into that. And Lord, I ask you to forgive us, God. Because God, we've got to own it, Lord. We, we do. God, we, Lord, we just do. 
God, and forgive us. We presented a, a picture of anything but what you created us to be. God, forgive us when, when, when the world just thinks of the church or Christians as being angry or full of rhetoric or rage or just being weird. God, I just pray that, Lord, forgive us. And God, let us start a new day, a new chapter, a new, new beginning. God, where your loving kindness will work in us. That God will lead only to our repentance, but the repentance of others. They come to know you as Savior and Lord. God, we give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.